I want to introduce to you a good friend of mine, Pastor Dale Endress. You know him. He's been coming every Sunday after uh, ministering at his church, the Metropolitan Church of God. Uh, back now, he's come so much, we're just going to call him a member of our church. I'm so excited that he's coming to deliver the word today. Uh, he has become a very good friend of mine, and we, uh, we really enjoyed getting to know each other. But I do have a funny story I want to say introducing him. Uh, on our last trip to Israel, he went with us, and uh, we had a great time. But we went to the Dead Sea, and in order to get in the Dead Sea, you've got to walk through some pretty thick mud to get out where you can float on the water. Well, Pastor Dale got his legs stuck in one of the holes, kind of sunk down into a hole and couldn't get out. So Tracy Kellums and myself are just out at the deep end, floating around, enjoying kind of the buoyancy of the water and how it works. And, uh, and we look over and Todd Daves goes to help Dale out of this hole and then his leg gets stuck in the hole. So now Pastor Dale and Todd are stuck in this hole. So Tracy and I keep looking over there. Are they going to make it? Are they going to get out? Finally, we said, we better go help them. <laughs> so we went over there. We got them both out of the hole. And they're still in that mud. And Dale says, man, I don't know if I can walk to the shore and all this. So I said, well, you can float on this water. So I said, Dale, lay back flat like a poker stick, like a canoe. And I'm going to float you out of the Dead Sea. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. He he got flat of his back, and I pushed his feet and floated him right to the shore. And that was really funny because as he got closer, his back started scrubbing against the ground. He goes, ooh, I'm hitting the ground. Ooh, I'm hitting the ground. <laughs> then anyways, we had a great time, and, uh, and I'll never forget me floating him out of the Dead Sea like a canoe. And in fact, that night at dinner, believe it or not, they had little chocolate sailboat desserts. And I went and got him one. And said, here, in honor of you getting floated out of the Dead Sea, I, uh, I, I brought you this chocolate sailboat dessert. So I hope you enjoy it. But uh, all jokes aside, Pastor Dale is a wonderful man of integrity. He is a great friend. And I believe he's going to preach a wonderful message from God for you today. So will you join me and welcome Pastor Dale Endress to this pulpit. All right. Praise the Lord. Would you give Jesus a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. What a blessing, what a privilege it is to be here with you this afternoon on Palm Sunday. Amen. And uh, you just got to love Pastor and Pastors da Dallas and Holly. They're precious, wonderful people, their family. And uh, I can't say enough about them. Uh, we have a kinship, a friendship that has developed since we met, since he came to Cincinnati. And I'm Cincinnati, been here all my life. And Dallas is uh, from the south, but for some reason we get along great. Amen? And uh, you have a great pastor and a pastor's wife and Dallas is just a wonderful man of God. And... Uh, I don't want to take anything away from any other pastor's wife, including my own, because she's here with me this morning, this afternoon, rather, Sister Audrey Endress. Amen. A lot of times she has to do double duty on Sunday, uh, play music at our church, and then go do her home health care, and she can't always come with me in the afternoons, but she's here, and I don't want to take away anything from her or any other 
pastor's wife, but what I do want to say is Sister Holly, she's a, just a pack of dynamite, isn't she? What energy. I told her a couple times after service, if you could bottle that energy, I'd buy some of it. It's wonderful, amen, and thank God for the band, the music up here. You guys are awesome. Give them a, give, give them a round of applause, amen, and uh, it is a blessing for me to be here this afternoon and to be able to share the Word of God, and uh, it's a little different than what I'm usually used to, and I know we're online, and we've got a lot of people out there watching on social media and uh, amen, give it up, give it up for the people out there that tune in, not only live, but will tune in in the next few days uh, and listen to the message and just enjoy the worship, and it's a wonderful, wonderful avenue of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're glad that they're with us, amen. Amen. This morning, or this afternoon, I may say this morning a couple times, because I'm used to preaching in the morning. Right now, we're just having a morning service. But this afternoon, we are going to start by reading John chapter 12. If you want to stand for the reading of God's Word, and I know they'll put that up on the screen, amen. And uh, we thank the Lord for technology, don't you? Hallelujah. All right, John chapter 12, starting in verse 12, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said one to another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning. Pastor Dallas has you... Hold your Bible up in whatever form you have it. And he says, hold your Bible up. And he says, Lord, help us be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. Now, Lord, anoint my heart, anoint my soul, anoint my mind, anoint my body to receive your word. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. All right, give God a hand clap of praise. Turn around, high five somebody. Tell them you're glad to see them in the house of God. And for any first time visitors, I'm not the regular pastor here. Pastor Dallas is here, and uh, we're glad you're here. If you're here for the first time or been back for a while, this afternoon. You know, popularity is something that's certainly sought after 
these days. Folks do all kinds of things to be popular. I'm sure that the internet has proved that to be true. Popularity. Think about that. If you're seen and beloved by millions, but you don't know it, does that, make, does that count for popularity? Maybe not, but it can certainly be profitable. I found this news story, goes back a ways, but a man named Russell Kristoff is a former model and an actor who's now a, a kindergarten teacher in San Francisco, California. But back in 1986, he posed with a cup of Taster's Choice coffee and was paid $250 for this photo shoot. It wasn't a great deal of money, but it helped at the time. But Kristoff was promised an additional $2,000 if his image appeared in any of the Canadian versions of the Taster's Choice label. He never heard back for 16 years. And then one day he just noticed a familiar face looking at him from a Taster's Choice can. It was his face shown from his mouth up, used without permission in 18 countries for six years. So Nestle USA offered Kristoff $100,000 to settle a lawsuit for the model, using the model's likeness without his permission, but he turned down that company's offer, but they also turned down his request for $8.5 million. In a Los Angeles County Superior Court, the jury awarded him a settlement of $15,600,000, a decision that was appealed, and unfortunately, believe it or not, he lost on appeal. Maybe he should have took the $100,000, but he was popular and didn't even know it. What do people with a lot of popularity and a lot of fame do? You guess it, they sign autographs. Many of you received a card this afternoon coming in, and I'd like for you to take that card, and I'd like for you to sign your autograph on that card. Sign it like you're famous. Sign it like one day it's going to bring you a couple, or bring somebody a couple million dollars on eBay. Now, somebody wants that autograph. It's not the IRS, so don't worry. Amen. And then keep that card. Hallelujah. Sign that card because you know who wants that card? Jesus wants your autograph because to him you're important. As the sister said up here singing this afternoon, you are important to God. You are valuable, and he wants your autograph, believe it or not. But popularity can be a pit that people can fall into. Now, I get to sign a lot of autographs. I have an alternate ego. It's called Auto Handler. I'm a pro golfer, and I just won the Arnold uh, Palmer, Palmer Invitational. And then last night, I won an international. Well, this is on PlayStation 4, so you probably have never heard of the guy. But I'm always signing autographs. At least that's what the little box on the TV says especially after you win the tournaments. 
Today is Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday. This day marks the beginning of Passion Week, where by the end of the week, the Messiah, Jesus, the King of Kings, will be nailed to a cross. And this will culminate the plan of salvation that God promised all the way back in the book of Genesis. Yeshua is at the height of his popularity. Think about it. He is very popular right now. He went to visit his friend Lazarus, the one that he rose, raised from the dead, the one that he brought out of that tomb. And what a notable miracle that that was. You know, we're still seeing God do miracles these days. God is doing miracles. God is working in fabulous and wonderful ways to bless people today. But miracles are not just willy-nilly. They're just not thrown out there for any old reason. I believe that this miracle had a purpose. Amen. Jesus even said that this might bring glory to God. Amen. So this miracle, along with everything else in Jesus' earthly ministry, was reaching his popularity, causing his popularity to reach a fever pitch. He was really getting the crowds stirred up. Amen. The Son of Man. Wait a minute. Think about that for a second. The Son of Man. What does that mean? That means he's one of us. He understands us. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted at all points as we are yet without sin. Amen. No matter what you're going through today, I heard a preacher say this morning, you're never above temptation. I don't care how long you've been a Christian and how long you've served God, how strong you are and how much Bible you know. Temptation comes to everyone. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily. I keep myself under subjection after having preached to others. I myself become a castaway, he said. But Jesus gets us. That's what the crowd thought. He gets us. He's one of us. He's our king. He can raise the dead. Who does that? Hallelujah. We need him. Combined with his power and the power to increase the food supply. You know, Jesus could take a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread and feed 5,000. And he did it more than one time. Hallelujah. This particular Sunday before Passover was different than any other Passover. There's always been these gatherings and these celebrations, but this year is different. We've got somebody that we can elevate, somebody that we can finally get behind. Wouldn't you want his autograph? If that was a thing back then, I'm sure they'd be asking for it. But these things are not as they seem. And while Jesus was popular, and while he was at the height of his earthly ministry, Jesus was not going to fall in to that popularity pit. Think about it. When Jesus first came on the scene, he got baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. While we were on that trip to Israel, we visited that site most likely the site that Jesus was baptized. It's probably changed. But immediately after Jesus came out, out of that water, he was taken by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, the Bible says. For 40 days and 40 nights, he was tempted. 
And then the devil couldn't break him. And the Bible says that it, the devil left until a more convenient time. Many times through Jesus' earthly ministry, things came at him from Satan. Even one time he rebuked his disciple Peter, who said, Lord, nothing's going to happen to you. I'll back you up. I'll be with you. And Jesus had to rebuke him. And now we find Jesus riding in, hallelujah, at the height of this popularity. And don't you think that that was a temptation? First of all, we're going to talk about the place. It was the spring of 29 A.D. and everything had come into place. Could you say place? The place. God always knows how to arrange things in order, hallelujah, to bring his will to pass. Jerusalem was getting crowded. This was Passover week. The atmosphere was amazing. It was a Can you imagine 2,000, 2 million people in that place? At least, maybe many more. Something was going to happen. I believe if Dallas was here, I, I didn't know if I was going to do this or not. But if Dallas was here, he'd break out in this song by Phil Collins. I can feel it in the air. Coming in the air tonight. Wouldn't he? I'll stop right there. Hallelujah. But Dallas wouldn't. He'd keep it going. Amen. But they could feel something was going to, it was different this time. It was different at this Passover. Something was going to happen. Over two million people in this place converging on the city, filling this place with hope. In spite of all the inconveniences of traveling and packing everybody up to go there. They always say going up to Jerusalem. There was joy. They were singing those psalms that they sang as they went to worship the Lord. Some were there for their duty to do what God required them to do. Not out of just some profound sense of duty, but they wanted to do it. They wanted to please God. They loved him. Amen. I would to God that people love the Lord so much these days that they want to do what God's called them to do. Hallelujah. Don't you? Amen. I think some were there because they were going to make an inordinate amount of money. We find out when Jesus got there, he overturned the, the money changers' tables. Some of them were looking for a big profit. Some of them were looking for an economic boost in their life. You know, God will give us an economic boost in our life if we'll serve him, if we'll obey him, if we'll do what he wants us to do. The, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. That's one of my favorite uh, verses of scripture from Proverbs. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they follow Jesus from Bethany, but, but, but John, he follows him from Jerusalem. If you count one lamb for 10 people, there was said to be about 256,000 some lambs sacrificed. So that's at least 2 million people. And it must have been exciting. But the most exciting part of this time was the fact that he is coming. Who? He, Jesus. He's on his way. This Passover 
Something is going to happen. Nobody expected. Have you ever had something happen in your life that you didn't expect? I think last year we certainly did. We were not in church last year at this time. Most churches were always exclusively online. Things were out of hand. Somebody had a great idea last year that we should decorate our front door with something red, amen, to celebrate Passover. And so Palm Sunday, when we couldn't be at church, I decided to go out into my wood shop, and I made something to hang on in front of my house. And I seen it sitting there yesterday as I was getting ready for church today, and I said, you know, I'm going to bring that, Amen. Because Palm Sunday represents a lot of stuff for us, a lot of good things. It represents a time when we need to look at ourselves, amen. But last year, I would go through some of the neighborhoods, and people would have things on their door, something red. At Easter, I made a cross and draped it with a red cloth and looked so beautiful. I was doing a series online after Easter called Pathway to Pentecost, Our first Sunday back to church was Pentecost Sunday. I felt excited and enthused and full of hope. Amen. And I want that to continue because I believe that God is getting ready to do something wonderful. I came today, too, to tell you, Bridge of Hope is about to go into a new season. Amen. Give God praise. Hallelujah. He's been bringing you guys along. He's got something great in store for Bridge of Hope. Hallelujah. I don't know what it is, but he does. He knows what's around the corner. You know, whatever place you find yourself in, I want you to know that God already knew you were going to be there, and he made a way. He, he's there before you get there. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Give him praise. Amen. I've been finding myself lately in a lot of doctor's offices for something that's going on in my life. I know God's already there. Amen. I can feel his presence when I walk in. It's not a church building. I don't know who who in those places are Christians. They're friendly. They're full of love. Amen. As much as they can possibly be. But I know one thing. God is there every time. When I was a truck driver for 10 years while I was laid off from my job, I'd go into the burned-out section of Detroit, Michigan in the middle of the night and have to pick up a trailer in a neighborhood that I didn't know anything about, still burned-out buildings. And I'd go in there singing, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In 1998, I fell asleep in the bunk of a truck Brand new truck had a blowout on the steer tire. And the truck caught on fire while I was sleeping. When I woke up, it was fully engulfed just about. I jumped out of that door praying all the way. And my knees were knocking. And I hardly could stand up, but God spared my life. And then many other times, I can look at times, God was with me. He was already there before the thing happened. Amen. And he'll be there with you. Regardless of what you're going through, just know God is with you now. Hallelujah. I felt God's presence in a special way last year. I feel his presence even stronger this year. Happened in the previous situation before this. In chapter 12, it tells us that 
days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the place where his friend Lazarus, who was raised from the dead, lived. This was the staging place for the disciples. This is where Jesus was bringing it all together. This is where his final peaceful nights of sleep would be in Bethany. This is where Jesus would be anointed by a woman with an expensive box of spikenard. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. People know you've been with Jesus when you have the fragrance of heaven on you. Hallelujah. It'll shine through. It'll shine through in the middle of a pandemic. It'll shine through in the middle of anything that you're going through. I like to put it this way. Jesus and Mary worshiped. Judas mocked. The crowd flocked. And the religionists conspired. Hallelujah. Think about it. Judas' true colors started coming out. He had sold out to the devil. Never sell out. There isn't anything on this earth worth selling out. Don't have that yet. This is an ideal time of the year to receive him and to receive what he has for you. You think about in verse 10, the chief priests were consulting to put Lazarus to death. Wow. He had been raised from the dead, brought out of the tomb. That just blows my mind that people would want to kill this man. I'd want his autograph, wouldn't you? I'd want to get to know him. I'd have a few questions for him. I said, Lazarus, what did you see there? Who'd you talk to? Did you have any prayer meetings? Amen. What was going on there in Abraham's bosom? Hallelujah. Many believed on Jesus. They came to see Jesus. They came for the sensational, though. They came for what was popular right then. And they, some just came because it was a circus atmosphere. It was festive, and it was a good place to be. Now, we think about the pomp, the royal entry of Jesus. But you think about it, there were probably other rich folks coming into Jerusalem with their caravans, with their groups of folks coming in for the Passover. And as I said earlier, over 2 million, 3 million people crowded into this place. And I'm sure as important people arrived and crowds converged, there were probably great processions and much regalia. But picture this, picture this. Suddenly, here comes Jesus riding in on a new colt. Hallelujah. He was riding on the colt of a donkey. The mother and the colt were most likely together because the Bible talks of this. For the young colt would want to be following its mother. It had never been ridden. It had never been broken. I don't, know, I don't have any degree in donkeyology. I don't know much about them. But I would think a young colt would be kind of hard to deal with, wouldn't you? So they brought along the mother. They brought along both of them. Hallelujah. Jesus was riding on the one that had never been used by anyone else. A colt was considered a noble animal in those days. It was used as a beast of service, used to carry the burdens of men. 
But more significantly, it was used by kings and emissaries. When they would enter a city in peace, they would ride the colt to symbolize their peaceful intentions. We can look at back in the Old Testament in Judges chapter 5 and verse 10. It says, speak you who ride on white donkeys, who sit in judges' attire, and who walk along the road. And then in uh, chapter 10 and verse 3, and after him arose Jair, a Gileadite. And he judged Israel 22 years. Now he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys. And they also had 30 towns, which are called Havoth Jair, to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. Amen. This was, a, this was a normal mode of transportation, but there was something different about this day. The King of kings and the Lord of lords was riding in. Oh, hallelujah. That was Jesus on the back of that coat. Amen. The one who came. The kings, kings who would come to conquer would ride in on stallions and, and they would ride in in great power and in glory and they would have slaves going before them and saying things. And, and, and you know, but this is Jesus with his followers. Amen. See, Jesus came to our sin-cursed world, our broken world in peace. He came not to conquer us, but he came to conquer sin. He came for us. Hallelujah. He came because of our brokenness. We're broken because of sin. You know, Jesus had some disciples, and I brought this out in the morning service, that every time they turned around, they wanted to call fire down from heaven on somebody. Amen. We live in a day and a time right now some in the church want to call fire down on everybody. That's not going to solve any problems. Amen. They need Jesus. They need the, the love of God, the peace of God. Jesus came to wonderfully demonstrate two things to the people. Number one, that he unquestionably was the promised king, the Savior. I have a friend in Israel that I follow on Facebook. I don't know him personally, but he's excellent teacher of the Torah. He goes out on the hills of Bethlehem and sets up his phone camera just like we do and he reads the Psalms and he expounds on them and speaks the Hebrew and he speaks the English. But I imagine God's been after him lately. People have been praying for him and he said, I wish these Christian missionaries would just leave me alone. <laughs> I guess God's going to get through to him. Amen. What an asset that he would be for the kingdom of God. Jesus, he, he, he goes to great lengths to try to show that Jesus was not the Messiah. Let me tell you, Jesus is the Messiah. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He came for you and me as well, not just the Jewish people, but he came for all people. And then he came to show, secondly, his mission was not... To come as a worldly potentate and pomp and ceremony, not as a leader of an army to kill or to injure or maim. That's what many of the people wanted. We talk about the people. What was on the people's mind? They had palm branches. That's why we call this Palm Sunday. They had 
cut down palm branches. I was listening to a friend of mine who lives in California. He said one of the good things about living in California, they got palm trees. <laughs> we don't have any around here. I've seen a couple people try to grow them, but they don't last too long. Amen. But palm branches were a symbol of victory and triumph. And they waved them vigorously and victoriously as a conqueror, conqueror would ride through the streets. So they looked to Jesus as coming to destroy the Romans, to deliver them from their real and their perceived oppression. You know, sometimes we do have real oppression. The devil's going to make sure of that. He's the thief. He comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but Jesus came to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. Amen. Is that true? Jesus came to give us life. Hallelujah. And that more abundantly. Choose this day life, Moses said. What is the real oppression of mankind? It's sin. Who's the real oppressor? Satan. What's the real answer of this horrible predicament we're in? It's reconciliation to God. It's being reunited to God. It's being brought back into relationship with him. And who only can do that? Jesus. Amen. There's no other way. I'm sorry for folks that can't accept that, but there's only one way to the Father. And that's Jesus. Amen. There's not a multitude of ways. Now, people would love to believe that. They would love to think that. Well, he's a good person. She's a good person. They ought to be able to go to heaven their way. Well, we can't do it. We can only do it through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And how blessed we are if we know this. And let me tell you, he still comes in peace, even in our world today. The people, though, didn't understand. As a matter of fact, it tells us in verse 16 that his disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Can you imagine these guys who had been with Jesus and walking with Jesus and they've come to this place, the most important uh, portion of his earthly ministry, chapters 12 through the end of the, of the book of John, talks about this week and what happened to Jesus going to the cross. Hallelujah. But they didn't understand. Many of the people there didn't understand. They were caught up in all the hoopla. They were caught up in all the, all, all the, uh, the atmosphere. They were caught up in things that they did not understand. How true is that of people today? Following the next big thing, the people cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna means God save now. You know, a lot of times we don't want to be patient with God. We want him to do it now. <laughs> God grant me patience and grant him right now. Hallelujah. The Bible tells me the patience comes through trials. Count it all joy, James said, when you face various temptations, testings, and trials. Psalm 118 and verse 26 says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. See, Jews would 
recite these series of psalms as they would go up to Jerusalem, the Hillel. And this was part of that, and they were looking to Jesus, this king, but they thought he was just going to get them out of this very temporary situation. If that's all he came to do, this would just be a part of history that nobody would pay much attention to. But Jesus came to change the whole world. Hallelujah. He came to change history forever because of what he did. We're here today, amen, doing this. In Luke 19, there's something very sad here. Matthew and Luke record this part of the story. I call it the prayer or the petition and pleading of Jesus. As Jesus came nearer to Jerusalem, he wasn't caught up in the popularity of the moment. The Bible says he began to weep. Let me read verse 41 through 44. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children with you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you failed to know your time. See, Jesus surely prays and pleads for the people. As we look around today, isn't that the situation? Jesus came. He paid the price. He gave it all. We celebrate Palm Sunday. We celebrate Jesus. This isn't about religion or Christianity. This is about relationship with the Almighty God in heaven through his blessed Son. It's God's will that none perish. If you're here this morning, this afternoon, or not saved, listen to this. Beloved, do not let this one thing escape your notice. With the Lord, a day is of a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness, but is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and its works will be laid bare. Don't think that these words will just fall deaf to the ground. They'll fall with power. And this will happen. When Jesus spoke over Jerusalem in 70 A.D., it was leveled. It's horrific. Josephus records what happened historically in that time period. It's a horrible read. But Jesus wept. One minister said that it was sobs coming out of his innermost being over the people. See, God knows the end from the beginning. God knows what's going to happen in every situation, and we can trust him. The people were crying out, God save, but many failed to receive Jesus as the king. Many, like his disciples, lacked understanding. So the power, Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. He is the one 
Amen. Aren't you glad he is the one? We're not waiting for another one. We don't need anyone else. We've got Jesus. And once you know him, <laughs> once you receive him into your life, nobody can take that from you. You can't walk away from it. On Friday nights, we're with men from a, a group called Genesis that are coming off of drugs and alcohol and are rehab, and these guys are coming to the Lord. We've saved, three guys got saved uh, Friday night, and we baptized another six. We've been baptizing every other week. Hallelujah. Give God praise. And they didn't wait till the end of the service to get, get saved. They got saved at the beginning. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just come in the church house and worship God and people just start coming to the altar. Said, I'm ready to be saved. I believe that's what's going to happen in these days of revival that are coming. They're not going to be in the four walls of the church, but they're going to be out there on the highways and the hedges. Hallelujah. Jesus had prepared his disciples for this time, but they still didn't understand completely. Before the end of the week, they would scatter. They would all run and hide. The strongest, Peter, would betray him as well. But Peter would repent and come back to Jesus. Amen. We have to be ready. I was speaking to a man the other day. He was cutting my hair as a barber. And he asked me, he said, we got on the topic of this and he said, would you want to know the day that your last day? I said, no, I wouldn't. He said, me neither. But when you think about it, Jesus knew what his last day would be. He knew what was coming. He didn't have much time left to do the last things that he had to do here. How difficult that must have been for him when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane Later in that week, he prayed, Lord, if there's any other way. I mean, the popularity of the crowd loving him had to affect him, the human part of Jesus. Amen. The son of man, the one, the one that came for you and I, the one that in all points as we are tempted, he was, yet without sin. I'm getting ready to close here in a few minutes. The Pharisees, though, were the were there, the thrill seekers were there, the half-hearted were there, the followers of the frivolous were there, and they would all turn on Jesus. The shouts of Hosanna would soon turn to cries of crucify him. His most ardent followers, his disciples would fade into the shadows, and this now popular king would walk alone to the cross. He would cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But he would say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He would say, it is finished. And he would bow his head, and he would die. Evil would rejoice, declare victory, and all would be lost, seemingly. That's what Palm Sunday reminds us of, the bad part. It reminds us that following after popularity leads to disappointment. It reminds us that pursuing the sensational of this world brings nothing. 
But when we follow Jesus, hallelujah, it reminds us that evil does not win because Jesus would come out from that tomb. Hallelujah. Next week, Dallas gets the, the privilege of preaching the resurrection message. I understand he's going to start a series on Jesus. Hallelujah. The more we know about Jesus, amen, the better we are. Not just the more you know, but the more you know about him. Last darkly, but then face to face. When we see him, we'll be like him. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful today for the blood of Jesus. We're so thankful, Father, for what you have done for us, how you have come into this world. And, Lord, you paid the price. You went to the cross for me so that my sins would be under that blood. Father, we're grateful today for the outpouring of your spirit. We're grateful, God, for all that you've done for us. And we thank you. We worship you. Hallelujah. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be worshiped. If there's anyone here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, wouldn't this be a wonderful time? The beginning of spring, right before Easter, to accept him, to receive him into your life. If you don't know him, would you do that? Would you bow your head and ask the Lord to come in right now? There's someone here that can pray with you. If you're here this morning and you need to come back to God, amen. The invitation is open. He loves you. He'll receive you. He wants you. If you need a touch from God, the church will gather together and pray for you. Amen. Hallelujah. This time, go ahead. and You guys go ahead, and if anybody wants to come forward and have prayer this afternoon, the elders will come and meet you here at the altar. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.